Hello. Greetings. Thanks for your interest in spiritual matters. And thank you for the gift of spending this time with us as we explore more from the scriptures regarding how we can live lives faithfully to Jesus Christ here in the 21st century. My name's Ethan. I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in Los Angeles. On August 23, 2005, Tropical Depression 12 formed off the eastern Florida coast. Two days later, now known as Hurricane Katrina, the storm made landfall near Miami as a Category 1 hurricane, stronger than expected. The storm then entered the Gulf of Mexico and grew enormously, turning into a Category 5 hurricane. On August 29, 2005, Hurricane Katrina made landfall first in the southeastern Louisiana as a Category 4 hurricane, and then again at the Louisiana-Mississippi border as a Category 3 hurricane. The entire coastal area of Mississippi and parts of Alabama were entirely destroyed. A short while later, three of the levees broke in New Orleans, flooding many parts of that city in many feet of water. And many watched on television and saw the horrifying results of all of the storm and the devastation that followed. In March of 2008, we saw a different type of disaster an artificial one. Uh, Bear Stearns, a notable and very old investment bank, collapsed overnight and was bought by J.P. Morgan Chase. Things seemed to return to normal for a while, but it was a mirage. By September 2008, the same challenges that brought Bear Stearns to its knees led to the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers, the merger of Merrill Lynch with Bank of America, and massive bailouts for AIG and other companies. What had begun as mounting losses from mortgage-backed securities led to great fear and paralysis on Wall Street, that banks stopped lending to one another and the money market dried up. This downturn led to bankruptcy for many companies, the loss of approximately $14 trillion in wealth, and the most distressing economic period in America's history since the Great Depression. Millions lost their jobs. Everyone at the time was impacted in some way. And yet again, people turned on the news and were astonished and horrified at what they were seeing in terms of what was going on with the economy, in terms of all the people who were displaced, in terms of the very real carnage wrought in the American economy. So we have seen here two examples of a natural storm and an artificial storm. And these storms and their impact can also uh, tell us a lot about truths applicable to our lives in the spiritual realm, in, in terms of our lives in Christ, and provide lessons that we do well to take to heart. And we do well to explore uh, these matters and what we can learn from them. One thing uh, true about Hurricane Katrina is that it truly showed the power of God. That at one point the clouds spread from New Orleans to the Yucatan Peninsula, covering the entire Gulf of Mexico, basically. The storm's appearance was perfectly symmetrical and simple in its design and organization. It's hard to see a hurricane in its simplicity, but its utterly destructive power and think that it just happened to develop or happened to exist. Truly, in Job 38 and 25, who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt? Uh, looking at the great power of God the Creator in the way that these natural forces are exercised. As humans, we could chart its movement, we could predict where it would strike, we could develop all kinds of models, but there was nothing that could be done to stop it. All that could be done was preparations made, people evacuated, and to just endure whatever the storm was going to inflict upon humanity. 
We often consider ourselves and exalt ourselves as having conquered nature or having imposed order on the world through our endeavors, through our technology and our advances. And in a lot of ways, uh, we have been able to do that. And in fact, the great surprise of the past couple hundred years is just how much we can think that on a day-to-day basis. But it all it takes is one storm to show that we're still at the whim of natural forces. That civilization, in many ways, is just a veneer that's easily ripped away. When it came to the Great Recession of 2008, some were predicting difficult days to come. The majority just stood helpless in the midst of the collapse. All kinds of warnings that were coming up were ignored. Groupthink is what prevailed. And yet, groupthink, as the ways that seem right to a man, failed, as it is bound to do in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, considering that these ways uh, invariably lead to death. People watched helplessly as wealth accrued over years vanished almost overnight. Uh, Riches most certainly failed and vanished, uh, providing validation for Paul's warning to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17, uh, that those who have wealth in this present life should not trust in that vanity of riches. It fades away very easily. How many ended up being out of a job, having very few possibilities for new jobs, and couldn't do a whole lot about it? Even this artificial disaster, something provoked entirely by the greed and manipulation of men, shows how weak we are, that even our own systems will fail us. That's why it's so important for us to realize that, in the end, we cannot trust in the works of men. Works of men end up becoming like a babble. And the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, so easily humiliated uh, by the powers that God maintains uh, just through the acts of the creation. And that is why we must take refuge in God and to uh, put our trust in the power and truth of God and in His ways uh, over the ways of what seems to be right to people, the ways of wisdom in the world, the ways of power and civilization, all of which uh, are very ephemeral and will fade away. We can understand how the destructive power of both Hurricane Katrina and the Great Recession were great and thorough. Uh, New Orleans has still not recovered fully. There are people still living there, houses have been rebuilt, but it's not what it was before 2005. Gulf Coast has many similar stories. The economy has been set back decades, and the economic crisis and its effects have marked the past uh, decade and more since. Overnight, hundreds of thousands of people lost everything. Hundred homes and property and businesses were all gone. Massive corporations went bankrupt or under new management. And not only was there this loss, but conditions deteriorated quickly. Um, New Orleans was reckoned to be like Baghdad at the time, which, of course, had been dealing with the ravages of war for a couple of years by that point. After Katrina, there was filthy, undrinkable water, very little food available, people uh, stranded at their homes uh, as waters arose, uh, things that we just did not think should happen in America, things that we would expect in a third-world country not a first-world country like our own. But the Great Recession brought, began with the collapse of 2008. The effects continued um, well beyond, uh, leading to a shrinking of the economy, where jobs and houses were gone, unemployment was exhausted. And all of these things teach us something very important, that we are not entitled to anything. We don't deserve anything. All that we have is what we, have at, at, what we are at the moment. Uh, in Job chapter 1, 
Um, Job, in his distress, had lost everything in one day. His children, his uh, property was all gone. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will return. Yahweh gave, Yahweh has taken away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. We see this emphasis often. that we, And it's because we get complacent. We forget how everything could be gone in a flash. Everything that we take as normal one day may be gone the next. Uh, and a part of this is that we, in our minds, have something that we think will, will preserve us. That at the worst, we'll at least have something. That at the worst, we can at least get uh, government aid. We can at least go to a shelter. We at least can find food here or there. And these storms should demonstrate to us that we can't even take these things for granted. That, that we might find ourselves in a predicament where, no, uh, there's no one from the government coming to help. No, there is no shelter left available. No, there's no at least anymore. Um, and we find ourselves... Uh, face to face with our mortality our weakness our fragility in the face of many much more stronger powers than we are and to this end the lord jesus reminded us in matthew 6 19 through 21 we should not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up treasures uh in heaven for yourselves where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, looters can't take your treasures from heaven. Uh, your treasures in heaven cannot be mismanaged by a hedge fund. And uh, it's a very uh, a con- powerful uh, form of confidence, considering what has happened in this world. And likewise in James chapter 4. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what is your life, what tomorrow will bring. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what storm of life may come and what we used to think was completely normal and won't be normal anymore. Anything that we have in our and we possess at the moment is not guaranteed, and we 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 cringe, we we feel immediate discomfort of that uncertainty, and yet these storms, these these forms of distress, prove to us that this is the way that it is. At the same time, these storms clearly show the fruit of preparation. That those who heeded the warnings about Katrina and departed were spared, along with whatever they took with them. Those who had seen the signs of trouble in the market and pulled out their money were not nearly as damaged as those who were all in at the time of the Great Recession. Those who had made preparations for disasters found themselves in much better positions than those who did not. And that is Jesus' thrust of his message in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, to chapter 25 and verse 13. That the day of a son of man is going to come and... uh, are you ready for it? Will you be found as a good and faithful servant working in the house of the master as if the master is there having no need to be ashamed? Or will you be found uh, as a wicked servant who had been beating the servants, who had been oppressing and exploiting, who had been living it up and was not ready for that day to come? Paul will emphasize the same message in First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6, that we need to be constantly prepared for whatever might happen to us in life, that uh, we may not have another day, that our 5, 10, 15, 20 year plan will be completely nullified by current circumstances, 
uh, or ending in death or the return of the Lord. There's no second chance to return to him once he returns. That's what the parable of the ten virgins makes abundantly clear in Matthew 25, 1-13. Which is why we must always be sober-minded. We need to be recognizing what's going on, constantly striving to obey Jesus, lest we be caught off guard when he would return. Our ability to track hurricanes and determine where they will strike has greatly improved over time. Um, and with, we saw that with Katrina. They essentially predicted the affected area precisely. They did it within three days before the storm hit. The local communities began voluntary evacuations the day private, previous Friday. Many called for mandatory evacuations on Saturday and Sunday. An experience with previous economic collapses and the dangers of bubble should have led many to predict economic troubles ahead in 2007 2006 in that time, and some, in fact, did make such warnings. Uh, those who heeded the warnings departed from the affected areas, moved their money into more secure investments or to cash, but many others did not. Some were not aware of the warning or of any danger. Many had no means of leaving or could not get out of danger. That's an important thing to keep in mind that, uh, especially when it came to Katrina, that there were many in the town who just could not leave, didn't have the means to do so. Uh, but a large number of people, both in terms of Katrina and in terms of the economic disaster, just determined consciously to continue on despite the danger. And there are a lot of reasons why people decided to continue as before. But a lot of them had stayed because they had become dull to warnings. Hey, previous storms weren't really as strong. They always overemphasize those things anyway, right? The storm should lose some strength before landfall. In terms of the crisis, well... This is only about mortgages or the financial parts of the market. How many times did you hear the fundamentals of the market are sound? It's not as bad as they say it is, right? These are the types of things that you would hear. But many learned through experience that it was not wise to remain if they had the good fortune to survive or the, the experience or to maintain their wealth. And there's a lot of times where people are given warnings in so many ways about their condition in life and their spiritual condition. And yet they seem to manifest uh, dull ears to it. When Jesus is explaining to his disciples in Matthew 13 why he speaks to the people in parables, he makes reference back to a, something that God had spoken through Isaiah. In Matthew 13, 14, and 15, uh, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. And so, people like that, you can tell them over and over again about Jesus, and they don't want to hear it. You can warn them about what they're doing in their lives, and they don't want to listen to it. And it will take if anything, a calamity, a crisis that would maybe cause them to wake up. But unfortunately, a lot of times people die before that happens. Um, they feel like they're too far gone when that happens. They even prove dull to the various crises in life. This is something that we see far too often out in the world, that uh, people have just grown dull to hearing. They just uh, assume it. They don't want to think about it. They're pushing it off. They become very hard in their heart. And unfortunately, it's not just those who are outside. Uh, in Hebrews 5 and verse 11, the Hebrews author warns that the, the, his audience, Christians, have become dull of hearing. That we 
even in hearing the gospel, hearing what God has done in Jesus, hearing our need to trust in God, become dull to the preaching of what we need to do in Jesus and don't do it and become weary. And that is a great danger for us as well. And that's why it's so important for us to examine ourselves, to be, have soft hearts, not become dull of heart, to, so that we can heed the warnings, that we don't find ourselves in danger and in distress when the crisis comes. And one thing that is true of both storms, unfortunately, is that it left a lot of sojourners. Uh, after Katrina, thousands were displaced, and many have never returned. Uh, they adapted to new environments, um, they've lived in new places, and they have a new home now. Many have been displaced on account of the Great Recession as well. People lost homes. People had to move to different places to try to find work. And the, the dislocation is still being felt by many people uh, who, who now are in this very different way of looking at life and different way of looking at things. Uh, that they're no longer truly home. And as Christians, uh, Peter especially encourages us to look at the world in the same way. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 11, that we are to see ourselves as exiles and sojourners on the earth. Philippians 3 and verse 20, to reckon as having our citizenship from heaven. And in 1 John 3 and verse 13, that we should not be surprised to live in a world that is hostile to us. That we live in this world, that we are citizens of America, that we may establish roots in a given geographic area. That despite all the continuity and all the forms of consistency, that we are still children of God and that we have a higher calling and we have a greater citizenship to which we must prove loyal and that we cannot just um, forsake those things. And so there's always going to be that discomfort with our, our situation where we're at and how things are going uh, because we cannot be of the world. We cannot be of America. We cannot be of Los Angeles, the place in which we are. Uh, in in any full way because we must always be that sojourner or that exile um, representing as an ambassador the purposes of God made known in Jesus. As human beings, especially as Americans, we always want to try to build what has been broken. So there's a call to rebuild in New Orleans, the economy to be rebuilt and all that could be hoped for in the circumstance is that uh, what was built was built more strongly, more wisely, on more solid ground. In Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount, he used a particular illustration. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. The thing about houses when they're built cheaply and when they're not well made is that it won't be obvious on a sunny day. It won't be obvious when things aren't in distress. It becomes painfully obvious when the, the storms have come, when the earth shakes, or when there is this great tempest, this great trial that, that goes on. 
and so it is with our lives. Uh, there are a lot of ideas, a lot of things we think are the way things are, a lot of assumptions that we make that um, that are not according to what God has made known in Jesus. And we can hold on to them and think everything makes sense and everything's going well uh, until we have some crisis, some awful experience that is natural or artificial, uh, internal or external, uh, related to us as an individual or participating in something more collective. And that will show what our lives are built on, what those fundamental premises are worth. And when those premises fail, they fail spectacularly. Uh, the more fundamental the assumption, the more epic the collapse when it is proven to be unsustainable. And um, it really leads us to ask, what are we going to build our life on? What do we build what we think on? How do we view ourselves and the world around us? And Jesus invites us here to f build our lives on him on him as a revelation of what God has made known regarding uh, all that is right, good, and holy. Um, that he is, in fact, the source of all wisdom, knowledge, and truth in, in Colossians. And thus we ought to live and pattern our lives based on who he is and what he is about, as opposed to the seductive and bankrupt uh, demonic ways of this world. Because what did we see with Katrina? What did we see after the economic crisis? We have seen that institutions that we trusted did not live up to their ideal. That government did not act the way we would have expected. We end up feeling powerless. And we ought to grieve for the victims, pray for those who are suffering. But it should help us understand that nothing in this world is permanent. Nothing in this world is worthy of our full trust. That it is only God in Christ who can be our refuge in the time of trial, in the storm of life that we are enduring. As we uh, talk about this lesson today, uh, we are a little bit removed from the events of 2005 and 2008. And you might wonder why, in 2020, we would talk about the events of 2005 and 2008 without any kind of revision, any kind of updating the relevance. And it was a deliberate strategy. Because yes, in 2020, nothing has gone as we would have expected. Everything that we would have assumed would have happened did not happen. Uh, COVID-19 and the subsequent quarantines have led to a combined artificial and natural disaster. Uh, COVID-19 is itself a very natural phenomenon, uh, a pandemic virus that uh, is, is killing uh, hundreds of thousands of people. And yet it has also created this artificial disaster that in the quarantine and everything else, we're seeing great economic upheaval. We see massive unemployment. Um, on top of that, at this particular juncture in 2020, we are now seeing uh, the uh, un injustice being perpetrated against uh, uh, black people, again, by cops killing black people or, or black people being killed while jogging. That has led to uh, protests and, and, and people exploiting the protests for uh, more nefarious reasons. Uh, and we're seeing all around the exact same dangers, the exact same situation where government seems to be failing us. All of these things we trusted in are disappointing us. And we sit at home 
in the midst of the storm and the trial and we feel powerless and things are changing and yet this is not new we could have gone and looked at 9-11 we could have looked at previous natural disasters we could have looked at disasters of the 20th century and times before and no doubt in the future there will be other moments of trial that will lead to the same situations will bring humanity back to confront its weakness where we will learn yet again that we are not nearly the masters of this domain that we think we are. That many of the principles in which we have put our trust are, 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 are profoundly shaken. That's just the way that it's going to go. Because we are not in charge. We are not in control. There are forces far greater than us at work here. And it is for us to recognize where we ought to put our trust. And our trust and our hope and our confidence must be in God and Christ. For he will endure. He is the creator. He is greater than all of these things. And he is for us. And he is greater than those who are against us. And therefore let us turn to him. Let us be trusting in him. Let us be prepared for the return of the Lord. Let us embody him in all things, even though it may seem odd or strange in the world. Let us, in humility, recognize our weakness and to entrust ourselves fully to God, who is far greater than we can ever imagine. At this time, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. We're so thankful, Father, for the blessings of life that you've given us as creation, that you've given us uh, the spiritual blessings of Jesus and the Spirit made known the Word for one another, uh, for the health and prosperity that you that we, we are able to maintain. And Father, we recognize in all of these storms that we're going through and the trials and distress that uh, we encounter in life, personally, collectively, whether from natural or artificial means, um, that all of these things ought to remind us that you are the only one in whom uh, our confidence ought to be fully uh, that you will not forsake us, that you abound in covenant loyalty, and that only you will endure. And so we pray, Father, that we put our strength and confidence in you, that we put our treasures in terms of your purposes and to do your work, and that we would recognize always that we are weak, that we are frail, that we are ultimately powerless, and that our strength comes from you. We pray, Father, that you might give us that soft heart of repentance to establish all of our foundations upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be willing to challenge its fundamental assumptions to where are they are no longer in alignment with Christ or never were in alignment with Christ to change our hearts and minds to align them with Christ and to allow the crises of our lives to be that megaphone to remind us of our weakness our dependence upon you that we would always turn back to you and find uh, life and hope and confidence in you and to not try to find it vainly in this world uh, we want to pray father for all those who are in suffering and distress because of natural disasters because of artificial disasters and we do not want to make light of their trials and their sufferings and to, to somehow presume that we are above them. Uh, we also pray that you would guide and direct us through our trials and our difficulties that we will encounter in life as well. 
We look forward to the return of your Son, Jesus, when there will no longer be any need for trial or distress, and that you, we will rejoice in the comfort of your presence forevermore. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that you have been encouraged and blessed by this message. And may the Lord bless, guard, and keep you until we're able to meet again.